listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, November 2nd. And I have with me once again, Joe from World of Maticus, as well as Way of the Totem. And back, the prodigal son has returned. Enrique is back from Spooncraft. Welcome back. We did miss you for those couple of episodes. I miss you guys too. Although, really, Sammy was making a hell of a bid for your job. And I was I was close to accepting that. Once he started trying with the sex and money, I was really considering it. The, you know, just don't do anything that I wouldn't do. And there goes my job. But um, no, I, I know I, I got to watch the watch. I got to listen to the podcast. And um, you guys have really big mouths when I'm not around, don't you? Well, we have to compensate for the lack of your big ass mouth when you're gone. Yeah, you see, that's why I can't be gone. You know, the balls leaves the show whenever I'm not around. Then you got to get Sammy around. And that's not fair to him. Well, he, had, he, he did hell on the doll. I don't know, Rick. Uh, your panties are kind of strewn all over the place waiting for you, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, he's been waiting know. a week for that. It's strictly a comfort thing, all right? God, I don't judge you. Bullshit. <laughs> okay, okay, well, okay. Back to your corners, boys. We have got one hell of a show lined up here for you guys. Um, just to, to, to get this out, first of all, if you're looking at your... Your, your iTunes or wherever you're getting the podcast, if you're getting it automatically. At this point, you're going to notice that there is both an episode six as well as an episode seven to listen to. This is a little extra something for the live audience that they weren't aware of. We have got too much going on right now. This is the granddaddy of all gaming seasons right now. There is so much good stuff going on. We are not going to give you a four-hour show. We're going to give you a couple of shows that are going to be jammed pack full. Now, the first show, episode six, is going to be the regular show with some the regular gaming news as well as the Torchlight interview, which we cannot wait to talk to the guys from Runic. Episode two, however, or sorry, I should say episode seven, the second episode we're going to do tonight is going to be our Borderlands episode. It's going to be strictly Borderlands, and we are going to have a blast. It's going to be myself and Enrique and Simodian are going to be going through that because apparently Joe cannot be bothered to log out of WoW and Champions Online to play it. I don't even know what to say to that aside from the fact of uh, go screw yourself in a corner. You know, I, I tried, I, I just let me interject real quick. I tried Champions Online doing this little uh, weekend thing that they had at my cousin's house, and I can see how it's a game, you know, I see it's a good game, but uh, meh. See, I tried out, um, I tried out Champions Online, and I, I, I will be honest in saying that I don't think I gave it enough of a shot. I played it for a little while, and I... I it, I can it's I can see how it can be some fun for some people. However, I honestly could not get sucked into it. There was it wasn't enough. And and I mean here I have Torchlight waiting for me, which 
no, it's not a huge Champions Online kind of uh, environment that, that's so massive, but it's a fantastic game. It holds me. And then you got Borderlands, which, oh me, come on, for fuck's sake. Borderlands is just blows my mind in terms of how much fun it is especially if you're playing with buddies if you are you know if you're playing with numbnuts that you don't know then it can get to be a, a hassle however if you are playing with buddies it's just fantastic and even just bouncing in solo to go do shit oh my god so yeah so i tried to kind of get into champions online but really it was i i just couldn't do it i couldn't get in enough into it and, and that's understandable. I mean, it's not a game for everybody. It's There's some of us that uh, get drawn right into it. I mean, once you get past the initial starting areas, the game is a lot more fun. The starting areas are, are there's a lot more kind of setup involved in them. It's, it's you getting your character rolling, you learning the, the, the combat system and everything else, as well as learning the crafting systems. But, I mean, again, it's not for everybody. Um, I love it. I absolutely adore it. Obviously, you guys have heard me sing its praise. Um, and I will be picking up Borderlands and we'll see how my time competes once I pick that up. And part of the thing too, is that it's strictly a, uh, uh the, the style of game that you like to play. So I've, I've said before, I really like the Tolkien based RPGs. I, I really enjoy those a lot. And on the other spectrum of that, I love the post-apocalyptic kind of games as well. They, they are, if they're done correctly, um, I think they are fantastic. They're, they're really a lot of fun. And it's that superhero genre that I'm really, I don't find that I have as much fun playing them as, as other styles. You know what I mean? That's under, again, that's understandable. It's just, you have your things that you prioritize in matter of what you like. Like you like certain things better than other things. That's not to say that you like them. You don't like them at all. It's just, some things are higher priority. Like me, superheroes are pretty top on the list. I mean, don't give me wrong. Post apocalyptic is up there as well, uh, but give me a good superhero game, and I'm awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's not even so much a superhero thing because I can get into that. Like, I'm excited for uh, All Points Bulletin for APB, that new MMO that's like half gang warfare, half you know you're playing cops or whatnot. But um, it's just you know what ultimately what it really broke down to was the art style. Like, I if they made a superhero game where it looked like any other game and they weren't going beyond to try to, to make it look like a comic book, I would be really, really into it. I would like that a lot since they make it look way too much a comic book. And, you know, I dig that and I can see how a lot of people would, especially, you know, comic book geeks and whatnot who really are into that stuff. But it's just, it's way too, it's way too much for me. I just, I can't find myself getting into it. And if I don't like the way it looks, then I'm not going to want to keep playing with it. And see, stack that up against a game like Borderlands. And the style in Borderlands is absolutely amazing. Like, this game has got style just oozing out of it. It's So, when it's that much fun to bounce into a game, like he's saying, that just looks fantastic and the gameplay is fantastic, it makes a huge difference. And I did find the same thing too, which I mentioned in another podcast as well. When you're bouncing into Champions Online, I'm not as crazy about the art style in it. And again, I, I hate to say negative things about it because they are a fantastic company. I do like everything they're doing for the game. I like the concepts behind the game. I just, for some reason, 
can't find myself getting into it as much. But again, I don't blame that on them because I have tried other superhero games. And even though I love superhero movies, I love superhero, you know, TV shows. Hell, I watch the superhero cartoons with the kids all the time. I love that shit. For some reason, the games, I find it harder to get into the games. And, and, and that is understandable. I mean, you look at games like City Heroes and now Champions Online and, you know, City of Heroes was a little hard to get into. The lore was a little, and the storyline was a little uh, thin. Um, they've definitely beefed it up, and they've put it in for uh, for champions. But I mean, it's it's again, it's it's not for everybody. Yeah, we're gonna actually stop from there uh, because we're gonna be talking a little bit more about that later, anyways. So we're gonna go right into some news and get that in before the interview with uh, the Runic devs. So Enrique, you've got the breaking news for the weekend. Shoot. I got nine minutes. Okay, here goes. I'll just go down the list. So China is denying WoW's provider. Uh, apparently, the oh my god, I had the name that we're talking about in chat a minute ago. Basically, the Chinese government has decided to put the kibosh on the World of Warcraft in China. They are not taking any more subscriptions, and I believe they're going to start phasing out existing subscriptions or something like that. So, the future of World of Warcraft in China, which is kind of a big ass market, yeah, net ease. Thank you. Um, is looking very grim and if they cannot possibly find a provider or find some sort of solution with the Chinese government then they're going to lose a very substantial amount of subscriber base from there or they may just have to go through a different um, a, a different venue uh, next up wow news again actually is this is for the lore uh, lore stuff uh, there's a new epic, possibly legendary kind of quest chain thing for a sword, the Quell Dalar, which is a sister blade. Now, I had uh, the Quell Sarar on my uh, warrior. I still have it on him, actually, from way back in Vanilla WoW and Classic WoW. But this one apparently is once you complete the quest chain and you do everything, if you are a class that cannot use the sword... Uh, you can actually trade it in with one of the two factions in Dalaran if you're, uh, you know, the Silverwing Covenant or the Sun Reavers, depending if you're Horde or Alliance, and trade it in for an equal value item. So that's kind of exciting. Um, what else do we have here? Halloween is over. All the Halloween um, celebrations and all of our various games are done. Uh, bugs aside and whatnot, that was done. I hope everybody had a good time. Aeon's Halloween sucked horribly. They had this big build-up for it, and it was fucking dismal, if I can go ahead and just say that. I mean, we got a little survey giving you some lore every single day, and then finally at midnight, when it became Halloween, Friday night, turning over into Saturday, you got a free pumpkin helmet uh, in the mail, and some more lore crap, and by that time I just logged off and just said, screw this, really, really bad letdown. Um, Champions Online had the free weekend, that's over as well for the holiday. Let's see... Day of the Dead was a one-time holiday they brought in now for WoW, and that's uh, been that's over now, as a matter of fact, today. And uh, Aeon is actually releasing veteran rewards now for their players. Depending on how long you've had the account, you will receive certain perks and whatnot, either new titles, new gear, new, uh, you know, Lotus Amulets, whatever, to help you level, things like that. And I thought that was a really cool approach. I'm... I'm on the fence when it comes to NCSoft right now. I'm going to talk about that a lot later on. I actually have a pretty big post that I'm writing about it, but the wards are very cool. They're looking very, very solid. I mean, Aeon, Aeon confuses me. You know, it's it had such amazing potential. It still does have amazing potential, but every time that they have the chance to do something really great, 
they end up stumbling, you know, head over ass over it. And, you know, that's it. That's that's it for the breaking news. I got nothing else for you. Well, going on about the... Uh the the aeon that you're talking about see joe and i have been talking about this and joe you were saying that you actually canceled your account and i was saying that in all honesty i'm not far from that point right now as well yeah I've, i actually reached the point of aeon where i'm just done it stopped being fun um when there was nobody around to group with i couldn't get make headway through certain quests uh, simply because of respawn raids. Uh, the spam is actually still there. It's just they happen to be in cities now and AFK shops. Still have to deal with that crap. And it's just, it wasn't pulling me in as much as I had originally thought and as I was originally excited to be. Um, once I got a handle of what was going on in the world, that was it. I mean, it wasn't really immersing me into what was happening. And I just kind of lost interest. Yeah, see, it's something that we talked about before, too, where you're in a time right now where there is so much going on games-wise and so many choices for you. You want to make sure that you are at the top of your game, and Aeon is not Mm -hmm. right now. And, like, if you were looking at it again, I got Torchlight and I got Borderlands that are both vying for my time right now that I cannot get enough of both of them. I'm, I've, I've... I can't even remember the last time I played WoW because there's been so many other choices that have been fantastic and I haven't bounced into Ion in literally weeks now. Actually, I haven't bounced into Ion since the clusterfuck with the trying to merge the (laughs) the legions. Um, So that was a while back too. So yeah, it's been, it's because there's so many other things to do that if you're not going to be fantastic and, and fun, I'm not going to play you. And right now, Ion, I'm not finding it fun anymore. The first little bit was fun because it was something different. Some of it was unique. It it looks gorgeous. All these things. So, yeah, there was some fun elements. I was having fun healing to a certain degree. But now I've reached points where the things that are not fun are really starting to grate on my nerves. And so it's, again, if I've got the option of doing something that's going to grate on my nerves or a fuck ton of fun playing Borderlands with buddies, <laughs> or just bounce into a Torchlight game by myself because I just don't want to deal with anybody stealing my loot, then, I mean, what am I going to do? Well, of course I'm going to play something fun. Well, exactly, and, and and we as the end game, as the end consumers, where we put our money, well, why are we going to put it somewhere where we're not having fun? Yeah, I mean, like, just to flat out say it, um, I'm in the process of actually drafting. It's in it's in draft part right now but uh, I have a post that I've written it's almost done called how to fix ion basically and it just goes point by point of everything that's you know this is there's a lot of things in the game that you guys have pointed out that are just flat out there and there's just no contesting it there's no arguing it it's these are things that are pointless why the hell would they still be in the game and I'll get into that again later when we start talking about it you know more but um I'll, I'll come out and just confess already I to save myself the game just to give it its, its fair chance um I pulled the most incredible 180 in my life as a gamer I've ever had I have never played a caster class I have a level uh 19 Elios Sorcerer now on um, as well on uh, Joe's server, actually, I've never played a caster class before. I hate them with a passion, and I cannot have. I I just having a world of fun with it. I really am. And as far as the Elios thing, I decided to go there because it's just you know I did Asmodian as beta. I did Asmodian in the open beta for Christ's sake. I did Asmodian now in the live, and it's just 
I needed something else. I needed something different. And right now, since Borderlands came out, Ion is kind of like the the faults of Ion, the ones that you can typically look past that are now just grading, just like you know Roger says, they're just digging into me every time I open it up. I got to deal with all that bullcrap, and it takes me half the time to boot up Borderlands, get into it, and just instantly starting having fun, you know. Okay, we're back with the the news. Sorry for the little break there, but we did have our interview with the Runic Games dev and uh, and everybody else there. So we're gonna go back and uh, and get back into our regular news and for for episode six. Now, it is important to actually talk about Torchlight right now, simply because we've been playing it. Now, I don't know how much you guys have been playing, Joe. Do you did you actually oh pick it god. up? Okay. Uh, yeah, oh my god. Oh, hell yeah. My paycheck hit the bank, and 20 seconds later, it was downloaded on my computer. <laughs> oh, you're lucky then, because when I got... Well, I shouldn't say that, because I, I am lucky I got to play it a little early. But when the review copies went out, they got their server got hit so hard, their FTP server, that it was downloading. I should say trickling in at 5 kilobytes per second. So here I am. I get the email saying, "All right, it's out, guys. You can play." And I'm like, "Wahoo!" I'm like fucking cheering. It's like I can't wait to play this game. And then I look, and it's like five kilobytes per second. I'm like, "No!" <laughs> but that's not the I worst. Syndrome. Oh man, I started it up. I started the download, and then the download cropped out when there was an hour left. And this is like overnight. I left it going, and oh. by then they'd put up another build of it because they made some changes which you're going to hear during the interview they made some changes up until right up until release essentially so i just said screw it i'll get the 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 build that's fixed because that's what i'm going to be reviewing so i had to wait literally another nine or ten hours for that sucker to download when i finally got it installed it was like i could not wait to play anymore you know so i trust me i hear you Oh, and, and my, the only complication I ran into is I got it downloaded, downloaded just fine, it installed, everything was going great, I put it up on my screen, I'm giggling like a schoolgirl, and then the entire Steam client crashes, my entire computer and blue screens it. Oh! <laughs> and it was... It was the Steam client. I had to completely expunge it from the system, reinstall it, fix everything, and then re-download it. I'm sitting there like jonesing for my fix. So I just created my, my Vanquisher. I just logged in, and boom. Ugh. Hey, I actually have a question for you about that Steam thing. Um, I'm having a couple of problems rarely come up with Borderlands in particular that I'm pretty sure is Steam-related. Is there anything in the buzz about Steam causing... Um, like turn, graphics rendering problems, turn alias off, problems. Turn off the shift, uh, the shift tab for the friends chat. Is that all I have to freaking do to solve this problem? So help me God. That yeah, it's oh. apparently when your when your friends list is populating, it's causing an issue with Borderlands is artifacting. Yeah, so, yeah I like haven't seen there. that at all. No, see, I, I was doing recording because I'm rendering videos. I'm doing Borderlands videos, and it's like, man, this is such garbage. And then today in particular, during the extreme off hours, and none of my friends are online, nobody on Steam. It's like, wow, this is beautiful. I'm running at like 1,000 frames per second. Well, I haven't purchased it yet. I've been up on top of it because everybody I know plays it in one capacity or another. So, yeah, I've been hearing well, see, about it constantly. See, the thing with the two of you is I'm on the complete opposite spectrum because I had like a moral dilemma where I had to choose either buying new shoes or, you know, getting a video game. And luckily, um, my very good friend let me get his shoes, you know, to show how poor we are. And I had to choose between Torchlight or Borderlands. And then Roger's like, I'm playing Borderlands. And freaking Sammy goes, yeah, I'm playing Borderlands too. I'm like, well, I'm playing I both can't. of them, bitch. 
Yeah, oh, you know, <laughs> see, he's got a paint job, and Joe's playing Torchlight, and I'm like, oh, man, I got a Chris, I'm, 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 I'm considering picking up Dragon Age. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm definitely going to pick up Torchlight, though, most definitely. I'll be picking up Borderlands this week and playing with you freaks. I've, I finally decided after tonight that I need to get it for the PC instead of the Xbox. Oh, most do definitely. It. Most Good. definitely. Yeah. Okay, and we're, we're, we're skipping ahead, boys. We're skipping ahead. <laughs> we're, we'll deal with Borderlands <laughs> later. Let's get back to Torchlight because it warrants the attention. Now, <laughs> you were saying that you're playing the Alchemist, Rick, and Joe, you're playing the Vanquisher, right? Correct. Have you fooled around it's... with the, the other classes uh, any, or are you basically just concentrating on those? Go ahead, Thank Joe. You. Oh, okay. Um, I actually been playing around with the Destroyer a little bit too. I haven't touched the Alchemist yet, but I have gotten a bunch of drops that scream Alchemist on them. So that'll be my new character tonight. Well, I managed to play it for a whopping two whole hours. Go me at uh at my cousin's house. So I mean, I got there and I was like, all right. I always play the Bruiser. Okay, this one's got guns. All right, yeah, there you go. Spellcaster. Let's see what I can do to the spellcaster. What a trip! I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm going to play the other classes for quite a while, regardless of what, what, what drops I get. You know, when I get back over there and play it some more. But yeah, I'm. I'm really taken aback. This whole caster thing is creepy and cool. Well, the thing too is that they they tossed in a lot of casting into all the classes kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. it's it's really not the the generic cookie cutter builds that you can do like i mean you can have a a destroyer that is summoning things and and very magic infused so like i played my destroyer up to shit what level was it maybe 10 um but i found that he he uses up and he had decent gear he was using up a lot of potions to always stay alive because you're right toe-to-toe with everything and so he was using a ton of potions both the health and the mana for his abilities so that he stays alive and then my my son was playing the Vanquisher and basically was selling off, vendoring off his potions because he never used the damn things. And by the time he was the same level as me, the little bastard was rich, had a ton of money. I was flat broke from having to constantly buy new potions. That's not to say that the class isn't fun. It's a hell of a lot of fun. And maybe it's just the bill that I was using. But I was really seeing a hit. And then I chose to do an alchemist as well and i haven't looked back and i'm doing more of a minion build little general kind of alchemist like a necro and so i've got i'm summoning skulls or skeletons i'm summoning um uh, zombie things i'm summoning the the minions that you put points into and then i'm summoning the uh the golem as well and like i I have a fuck ton of money right now. <laughs> like he's doing fantastic. I'm doing the same thing where I'm selling off the uh, the potions and whatnot because I simply don't use them. And then I wound up getting some um, a yellow drop, a rare drop, and um, and it was a wand. And he's still using it. And um, and so yeah, no, it's it's the, the alchemist is just an absolute blast to play. The you game is just cool. Oh, go go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say it's just it's so robust for such a, a little tiny world. There's so much you can do with each class. You know, I think I, I wanted to mention this in the interview, but we were kind of running long. When they said we went with the lowest, you know, we, we went for a very low min requirement for the game. That right now, at least in this day and age, is really really refreshing. You know, because. Mm-hmm. It, it'll play on anything. I mean, it could play on, on a freaking notebook. It can play on my iPhone. It'll play on anything, right? Well, on, it, the, on the it, alarm it, clock, like Sammy said. <laughs> but um, if you have a decent computer, then it looks freaking flawless. You could have 
80 minions on screen, you know, effects and flares going all over the place, and it doesn't detract from the gameplay at all. You get no chop, none. And I think it's a, it's just a it speaks to their ability to to pare it down. Like when I loaded it up, and, and Roger mentioned this in his review of it, and some of these been talking about. I was floored by that the whole little netbook checkbox when you go under settings. Um, one of my friends at work actually has a netbook. He's bringing it in for me on Tuesday so I can play with it on a netbook to see how it handles. See, that's <laughs> something that I would love to do. And I would I, I didn't push it with them, but I really wanted to say, when are you guys releasing the Mac client? Come on, boys. You <laughs> oh. can do it. I need to play this on my MacBook so badly. Yeah, but that's why I have a Windows uh, emulator on my MacBook, so I can go ahead and install it. Well, I do too. I, I've I've got it, but uh, the VMware one, but I don't have it installed simply because I don't want to use up all the hard drive space for Windows kind of thing. Um, but I used to have it when I had my iMac before my cat killed my iMac. But uh, moving on from Torchlight, then we're we're obviously very very impressed with it. We're going to have the the interview that the if you're listening to the podcast and you weren't in on the live audience, oh, you guys are gonna love. <laughs> the Torchlight interview with Runic Games, absolutely fantastic. We are not going to touch too much on Borderlands simply because we're going to cover that later in depth in episode 07, which is going to be aired at the same time as 06. So let's move on to a little bit of Champions Online. Uh, Joe, did you actually get a chance to play any of the Blood Moon content? Yeah, and it's still going. It's still going to be going for uh, today's November 2nd, so eight more days. Uh, it'll be done at on November 10th. Um, I'm actually working on unlocking the Celestial set, which you have to um, defeat all the Risen superheroes, which are 13 superheroes, the greatest heroes that the world has ever known that were raised from the dead. Um, I'm currently finding people that are sidekicking me so I can go ahead and go do it with them, <laughs> which is a blast. It's a blast to be somebody's quote-unquote little buddy and bash some supervillains in the face. I enjoy it. See, that's actually when I was building my guy, I noticed the Celestial stuff was locked. And that's one of the things that I thought that I was holding off because I thought that would be fun to try that, at least because it's brand new as well. Yeah, and I think, and that is a little, I will say it's a little disappointing because I didn't mention that it was going to be locked or have to be unlocked. But I do have a feeling that knowing them and their track record, once the event is done, it'll be open for everybody. I just, I have that sneaking suspicion. That being said, like Enrique and I both said, though, I'm finding it really hard to get into the vibe of the game. So I don't know how much I'll actually be trying it. I have been considering picking up Dragon Age Origin, which is coming out actually tomorrow. And I don't know if you guys watched the trailers for that game. Yes. 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 <laughs> you said it perfectly. The trailers really sell it well. Okay. Like, really sell that game well. All I know is my pocketbook is crying right now. Oh, dude, I'm 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 considering the collectors of it just because of the bonuses that you also get with the collectors. Like this, there's a crap load of shit that you get, and I like how again there's a, a lot of things that you're getting that are in-game items, not the art book. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I, I enjoy the art books too, but I'd rather get in-game stuff that I can actually use. And the, if you pre-order it, there's a crap load of stuff that actually looks like it could be potentially pretty useful. 
So, yeah, I haven't decided, but yeah, you will strongly considering. But the, the only problem is, is then again, we keep talking about it. There's only so much time in a day. We got Borderlands. We got Torchlight right now taking up a lot of my time. And I'm having so much time, uh, so much fun in Borderlands that I'm finding it very hard to justify something else i mean the torchlight is fun i can bounce in and play for a little while and whatnot and then the borderlands equally i can bounce in and, and hang out with buddies and whatnot and and kill shit and have fun so to to to, to jump into something as huge as dragon age or, or what i feel it would be i don't know if i've got the time for it and and, and that's really it's all time management now. It's not just cost, but it's we have all these amazing games that we want to play in Borderlands. I mean, we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Um, there's already like downloadable content that's gonna be planned for yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, there's so many things in that game that are just like, okay, spend time with me. Let me love you a little bit. You know, that it makes you want to. <laughs> it makes you want to play it. And you know, the the friends aspect. Like, I like being able to go into a first person shooter. Or, or any sort of game along those lines with a group of buddies and being able to sit there and and hose an army of mutants and undead and, and, and everything that the game can throw at me while shooting the ship with like you guys while drinking beer would be you know it was a big selling point to me yeah for sure you know, for sure I'm, I'm gonna have to like echo with um with, with what joe's saying it's 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 a lot about the whole time management thing i remember in blizzcon with me and my buddy paul when we had all the announcements we came back and we looked on on you know, game trailers looked them up and we saw, man, we both looked at each other and said, this is going to be a very bad fall for my bank account and a great <laughs> fall season for gaming. And next year is all all bets are off. It's just games now in particular, we're getting this massive surge. Just like you said, man, we have people still doing WoW. People are still people are still chugging along Ion. People are doing Borderlands, which, as we're all saying, is a metric fuck ton of fun. And there's Torchlight taking up time. Now there's Dragon Age coming out. Modern Warfare 2 is coming out. And that's just, I mean, it's just over and over and over. You, there's no break. There's no stop. And the, I, as I've said many times before, I still have not picked out, picked up Uncharted 2, which is killing me. I want to play that oh, yeah. game that. so, so fucking hard. And yet, again, it all boils down to how much time in a day there is. And so I can't justify now. The thing with Uncharted 2, though, is at least I know that it's not a pressing game that I have to do it now because all my buddies are playing like other games. So I can put that on the back burner and pick it up later on kind of thing. But yeah, there's so many right now that are you know, got to play right now. And then we've got the ones that are going to be coming up soon, like your Star Trek Online and your Star Wars, mm-hmm. the, the the Old Republic. I mean, that's not too far down the line, boys. And you want to talk about time fucking sinks. Oh, my God. Did you see the new screenshots for Star Trek Online? Look, look. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Jesus Christ. Like, when you start to look at it and... Maybe I'm reading too much into the screenshots, however, and and what we've heard, but like, I mean, it's going to be completely open here. Like, there's going to be entire worlds to go explore. Not just, you know, Red Ridge Mountains. We're talking an entire goddamn world here that you can explore. See, and that's the problem that I'm I'm facing. I'm staring at this thing, and I'm looking at these screenshots. I'm looking at all these worlds that you have to that you get to go and explore, and the potential for just hours of doing nothing but finding uncharted planets. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, do I really have the time for this? 
I, I don't know. I don't know if my social life can handle it. See, I'm really hoping that it will be something along those lines where you're not, you're driven to play the game because you want to play the game, not because you're driven to level. See, that's something that I'm really enjoying with Borderlands as well, where I'm playing because I want to go shoot shit. And I literally, I really do want to complete the quest. Because every time I hear Scooter talking, I giggle inside. Every time a claptrap <laughs> says, look at me, look at me, I'm dancing, I'm dancing. A little part of my boy inside is so happy. So I'm playing the game because I want to have fun. And so, yeah, like Sammy says, I love Claptrack. It just, it's fantastic. Like the, the little things they put in the game are so great that you play it because you love the game. Whereas, say with WoW, I was playing to level. With Ion, I'm playing to level. Of course, I'm playing because it's also fun and I enjoy the game, but the whole purpose is to level up. Whereas with the new games that are coming out, same as with Torchlight, I'm not playing to level up in Torchlight. I'm playing to play the quest and to play and to go dungeon crawling and to, to get loot. And I love that. So if so, if Star Trek Online is going to do the same kind of thing where it's go explore, explore these galaxies and maybe some of the people that you find on those worlds you can bring onto your crew and stuff like that like that is fun gameplay where you're not just concerned about leveling and you hit on a very important point i think and this is something that we're seeing more and more in video games and if you go back you can start and see this trend before i mean games like wow it was all about progression and leveling and getting the best items for a lot of people it wasn't just about having fun in the game and you have a lot of games like that too a lot of the rpgs that we played growing up final fantasy and things like that where those mod those styled games were, were all about progressing it was all about getting to the end of the story but it was also about getting the loot or the 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 levels in order to do it uh, final fantasy 10 comes to mind where you sat there and <laughs> levels for hours um, but now we're seeing emphasis on the actual gameplay and, and it's like games like Borderlands, games like Torchlight, games like Star Trek Online, games like Star Wars Online. I mean, you see the shift where it's more about you having fun in the game world and enjoying the game for what it is and less emphasis on the grind. Yep. Anyways, we're going to move on from there. There wasn't much more in terms of news we, that we were going to bring up. I know that, Joe, you were talking about the um, Nintendo confirmed the release. Uh, they're making a, a DS with a larger screen, which I know is not lore-based and whatnot. But a lot of games on the Nintendo, a lot more so than the PSP, are RPGs that you can play and whatnot. So I don't know if you guys actually play many RPG kind of things on DSs or not at all. I do. I just happened to pick up the new Kingdom Hearts. I used to a lot, but um, I my DS was confiscated by my daughter, so I haven't even <laughs> seen the damn thing in like a year and a half. I, I really haven't. I was like, it did. I asked my wife, you know, where's where, where's my DS? And she goes, I have no idea. As Journey, and she's like, you're not taking back the DS, Daddy. <laughs> All right, guess not. Dude, I'm on my fourth DS. Literally, first DS was basically <laughs> confiscated by the kids. Second one was given away as a. I gave it to one of the kids when she went to university. I said, okay, here, this will keep you busy for a while, and out of trouble hopefully. And then the third was one was essentially confiscated by the wife and uh the fourth one is mine so we've we've got four throughout the house and they actually still get played all the time i i've played the like the zelda and the different stuff on there too where i i do like it it's too bad that 
this new larger screen DS is actually going to have the same resolution though, so it's going to look even crappier than it should. Like they they need to start working on making it look good too. I agree, and but it, it does prove that they're still paying attention to the handheld at the very least. It may not be what it needs to be, and yeah, it's going to be a little shitty for the first, you know however long it takes them to refine it, but at least they're still paying attention to it. They're still saying that, okay, the hardware needs a little love still. I I don't know how much of it is that and how much of it is them just making money. I mean, Nintendo brings out a new color every other month just so that they can sell you yet another DS. So it's called the law of Nintendo. Yeah. You nailed it. It's, (laughs) it's the rule. It's the rule of Nintendo. It's, it's the gamers theory law of Nintendo. It's where, Hey man, I just bought a game boy. Hey, game boy color just came out. I got a game boy color. Game boy advance just came out and so on and so forth. And it's like, I just got a game boy advance. Hey, look, well, here's the DSI. You know, it just it gets worse and worse. Watch, you're gonna get this one a month later. They're gonna be like, hey, we're releasing a brand new one for the same price with the resolution fix. Yeah, so I'm gonna obviously be holding off on this. I didn't pick up a DSi. I've, I've the last one I picked up was a, a regular DS, so I'm not gonna be picking up this one myself. I I do find that I'm spending still less time on the portables since the iPhone apps. That changed everything in terms of portable gaming for me what i'm waiting for are a lot more really in-depth games for the um, iphone and ipod touch kind of like dungeon hunter which i've been playing and loving and i'm going to be actually writing some more about that and maybe discussing in a future show so the, the the there's a lot of power in the iphone or ipod touch and so it's going to be nice to see as they they do more for that format We're back with For the Lore again, and we are very, very happy to have the Runic Games guys in the audience with us. We've got Max Schaefer is with us, Travis Baltry, we've got Jason Beck as well as John Dunbar. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Now, yeah. you guys have been working together yeah. for quite a while, uh, some of you more than others, or did you guys all start together at the same time? Um, well, about uh, the majority of the group had worked for a couple of years on the Mythos project at Flagship Studios, and uh, some of us, however, go back as far as 13, 14 years. Yeah, and for anybody who has, you know, been hiding under a rock, some of you worked on a little something named Diablo and Diablo 2, which basically yes. makes you guys, in our eyes, essentially gaming gods, is what you guys uh. are. <laughs> <laughs> now, now did you guys how much of the the runic games team was founded after the disintegration of flagship studios how much of the runic team is worked on mythos i think there were about 17 of us who started up who all came basically from flagship and i think we're at um i don't know 25 or 26 now so a pretty large percentage is uh old hands from the mythos team and pretty much pretty much the entire mythos team uh came over too We are uh, all working on pretty much. Go ahead. 
Go ahead, Drozd. Go ahead, Max. <laughs> well, this is going to be fun. Um, basically, all of us have just been working on Torchlight for the past year. Um, we, we're trying to stay away from doing kind of multi-project stuff right now. Is that because you of you know the the disintegration of flagship cause a bad taste in your mouth essentially because you had multiple projects that you didn't get a chance to finish off? I, I mean, I think mostly it was just let's be really pragmatic about what we're doing, and um, we have a pretty small team, and we'd like to keep it that way. And uh, I think the easiest way to make sure that we do is to to focus on doing doing one thing and doing it well, and then moving on to the next one. Which, uh, of course, makes sense. We'll, we'll start talk, talking directly about Torchlight now, then. Um, it is your first product that you put out under Runic Games. And just to let you guys know, we've been playing it and absolutely loving it. I wrote a really long review on it. I can't get enough of it. And what I think is very telling as well is that my family, my kids, can't get enough of it. So it's actually awesome. going... It, there's a generation thing there where it's working for both generations i mean my youngest is 12 and then i've got teenagers as well who like it and then myself um so it's it's bridging a lot of generations which is kind of it's not something you see in all games that's that's uh, we were consciously cool trying to make it pretty yeah we were consciously trying to make it really really kind of general to play um but i'm i'm really pretty gratified to hear that there's 12 year olds playing <laughs> oh yeah my son my son can't get enough of it now a lot of obvious com comparisons are being made to the diablo franchise i mean you guys yourself say if you like diablo you will like this now was it understood from the start that you were going to be building on the concepts that you guys had developed with diablo or was there a time where you actually considered whether you should try something completely new and different well, I think when we were starting up, I mean, we had just gotten almost out the door with Mythos. So that's what everybody knew us for. Um, and so when we went out to try and get some interest in, in supporting us and doing a new game, it was it was really just kind of a logical thing to do. Um, Torchlight is in some ways a stepping stone to getting back to doing what we were doing before, which was a, um, a Diablo-style MMO. And we all would still love to do that again. And, and it was just kind of a natural step along the way. So I don't I don't know if we really initially entertained any other total, you know, picking, choosing another genre um, off the bat, although I think all of us would love to do something different um, at some point in the future. Well, that being said, too, it winds up being something that because you guys had that game mechanic pretty much nailed down, I would assume it made it a lot easier for you in terms of time restraints to get the game done faster and for it to be something that your audience is going to be a lot more comfortable with right from the get go. Yeah, it's easier. It's the uh, the safest bet for us. We we've all done you know three or possibly even four uh, games in the style for some of us on the team, um, and it's something we enjoy. Um, and we just you know it's it's a lot sure thing. And also losing Mythos before it was finished, we had a, a sense of loss there and, and, and felt like we we could actually finish the project and and uh, you know feel better about the whole deal. So that's how that happened. Yeah, it may be entirely possible that we only do one thing really well, and this could be it. So it'd be a little, it would be a little bit of a risk to depart too far, especially on our first first time out with the new company. And you're you're playing it kind of safe as well with just a single player right now. That's something actually that Enrique wanted to ask you guys about as well. Yeah, I was kind of wondering because I I read as well that there in the future you're planning on on making it or transitioning to kind of like an MMO feel, but you started off as just doing nothing but a single player. Is that following along 
with you know what is, what you guys want to do you just want to like have one project you know the constraints of being on a single player it's easier to balance you want to make it just really solid and then you know use that as to kind of like platform yourself off yeah, we'd rather really just kind of build on smaller successes. Um, there's nothing like losing your big ambitious project to make you be very, very, very pragmatic. Yeah, and it's, Jeez, yeah. you know, uh, an MMO takes upwards of three years to make at a minimum. And, you know, going from having one almost out to starting over again in another three years before anything sees the shelves, it just uh, seemed a little soul crushing. Um, so also, there's some really cool things about single players, single player games that you can't do with multiplayer games. Like we're going to release our editing tool here this week, hopefully. And, uh, you know, we, you can't do that with an online game because people would hack the heck out of it. But we want them to in this case. So there's there is actually some really fun stuff you can do with single player games that you can't do with multiplayer. And how far are you planning on pushing that? Like when you're talking about the editor coming out and whatnot and getting the content from the your, your audience and whatnot, are you planning on doing more with that to encourage them to be able to distribute levels somehow through your site or to do something like that so that you're really making it something that builds a, somewhat of a community? Well, we, I mean, we definitely would hope to build a community around it. There's also, there are already a few fan sites who have set up um, mod sharing uh, databases and um, we're, we're planning to kind of facilitate as best we can you know help people with modding um, inject some new assets into the modding scene and uh, and help out people as they're going along although we, we don't have any initial plans to host the mods ourselves just primarily for legal reasons which makes sense yeah um, actually in talking about the game too it it's very impressive how fast the game was put out and yet still looks so good. That's something actually Joe was mentioning to me before. Yeah, it was actually um, with the way that the game was, was pushed out and, and as quick as it was for us from hearing about it to seeing it come out, um, it is pretty breathtaking and pretty awe-inspiring to see what a group of focused people can put out. Um, it's fantastic and, and, and wonderful and stylized. Um, how long did you guys actually spend, like, balancing it out or feeling it out because um, the game itself seems very even it seems very um, every class seems like it has its own perks but none outshadow the others how long did you guys spend getting that going with such a short turnaround time <laughs> pretty much the whole time the I'd minute. say <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we almost... builds up and running oh go ahead Max I was just going to say the same thing. We we got builds up and running as fast as possible and pretty much always have a running build. And uh, it really worked on that just right from the very beginning until, as Travis says, literally the last second. And, and I think the Monday morning, 2 a.m. was the last <laughs> build was live on Tuesday morning. Well, actually, yeah, because when I downloaded the review copy, it was literally the next day there was another build of the review copy, too. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Trust me, I am not complaining in the least. I actually did a lot of fooling around with the different classes as well to try to get a feel for all of them. It's something where with any game, for the most part, I like to spend a little bit of time at the beginning, mess around with all the classes, and then from there pick the one that I want to take to the end and then mess around with the other ones afterwards again. And so... I did find, like Joe was saying, there's a lot of strengths and, and to each class and very, very different play styles. And this is, of course, because I got to play with my kids and watch my kids play. So, like, my son has a Vanquisher. 
And I really didn't play much of the Vanquisher, just a little bit. But, I mean, the little bastard is playing better than me on it, and he's having a fantastic <laughs> time with it. So it is something where you can see the strengths of each class and and also the fact that it's not just three potential play styles that you can have. It's actually a lot more. Again, Joe and I were talking about that, and he was talking about, well, I'll let you talk about it, Joe. Well, and that's one thing that really took me back about the game is when you look at the, the website, you see three different classes. You see your alchemist, your vanquisher, and you see your, your mm. destroyer. Um, but those three classes are more like three archetypes. Each one has a different talent build that you can push with it, which makes it feel more like nine different classes. Was the archetype approach a deliberate move, or is this, is this something we can look forward to seeing more in the future, not only with any MMOs you guys produce, but maybe possible other IPs that you might be working on? I, I mean, I think we definitely like to have uh, – we were doing this in Mythos where you had really f at least three kind of distinct play styles within a class. Um, for instance, most of the Mythos builds could be – you had an option to be a summoner. There was generally some sort of ranged option. Um, and uh, then there were, there were very unique class skills sprinkled in there, but we'd like you to have some flexibility within a class. I – I would say actually that you've introduced a lot of flexibility. Like this is a lot more than if I look back at D2, which I really don't have to look too far to remember because I literally installed that sucker a year ago to play with my kids. Um, I don't think that there was this much depth of choices within one class. Like it, the fact that you can have so many different play styles, the way that you guys designed it is really like it, it's huge in the, in the amount of choices you have. Yeah, we really tried to avoid any throwaway skills this time. You know, if 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 we were going to put it into the game and make it part of one of the character classes, it had to feel good and play well. And uh, you know, we got as many as we could in that were like that. But you know, it, it wouldn't go in and it, unless it was fun and unless it did feel right within the context of the of the character class. And was it more about like you're saying fun? Was it more about the fun, making sure that each way that you play is fun, or how much how much? Importance that you put on fun versus balance. I would say I they're fun one. Yeah, well, and I also th I think they're intertwined though too. If, if if you're not killing monsters with it, it isn't any fun. Um, you know, no matter how big the explosion is, uh, you know. So I think everything in the game is at least somewhat informed by being fun. Yeah, and this was yeah, also I think a lot of time about doing a uh, a single player game is that we can get away with a little bit less balance and and focus more on the fun and on the uh, the MMO we're gonna have, still have to have fun but we're gonna have to spend a lot more time making sure they're they're balanced as well because we plan to have uh, PVP. Yeah, that's something I was gonna ask you about too because that's gonna make a huge difference in your class. I mean, we've seen how Blizzard has change classes time and time and time again to the point where the the whether it's the warrior or the druid or whatever you started playing is certainly not the same one so are you guys already anticipating having to go through that hassle i mean we'd, we'd love to do a lot of that during the alpha and beta phases but i mean i if mythos is in any indication there'll be stuff going on after launch <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the beauties of an MMO is that uh, you know there's your your design to get you to launch, and then there's your ongoing plans, and um, you know there's, there's all a the lot crazy of crazy things you never thought of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, we're gonna actually let John do a little bit of talking here because John, if I'm not mistaken, you were in charge of most of the story writing, correct? Yeah, I did most of the writing with a uh, a great deal of input from uh, the other people on the line here. So in. <laughs> 
in terms of the story, did you have a general idea of what you wanted the lore to be throughout, or did a lot of it come to you as you were writing it out? Well, early on, we uh, in our brainstorming, we came up with the idea of the ember and the mountain and, and how the that ties into the story. Um, you know, and then the whole game is basically about this ember, this magical substance that the people are mining, and what can go wrong with that, and what happens if there's a whole, you know, a lot of different different situations, civilizations that. Uh, ran into the same problem in the same place. And so that's kind of the big idea behind the game. Um, and then a lot of the the little stuff just happened as we went along. You know, just made up the, the details as we went down deeper into the dungeon. What are some of your favorite parts that you've written? <laughs> I wasn't really ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same thing as, see, we're all writers, the three of us here. We Obviously, the, the show's called For the Lore for a Reason. We, we care really about the story. That's not to say that we don't care about gameplay and everything else, but it's the story that hooks you in. It's the writing. We're all writers as well. So... I know that if I'm writing something, I can look back to certain sequences within a story or a novel, and there's certain ones that I, I feel more proud of, that I feel I accomplished something pretty good with that. Do you get that sense from any of the stuff that you put in? Well, I mean, there's characters I, I like a lot, and I've actually, um, I ended up liking some of our, our really minor characters, like the uh, the bard in town, uh, more than I expected to. They're supposed to be kind of throwaways, and they, they turned into really neat characters, and that's really cool. Um, but I'm really probably more of a game designer than I am a writer, um, and so I like things in the story that allow for a lot of gameplay and for us to expand on the gameplay. And so just the, the whole big idea of Ember is cool because it can be tied into the world and into gameplay in so many different ways. I mean, you're soccer into your weapons but it's also the story and you know I, i've always loved that you know what one game i really liked was uh arcanum if you can remember how it had the whole technology versus magic thing and uh that was the story of the game but it also was a big part of all the quests and um so that's something that's always been in the back of my mind when trying to come up with a game story something that works both for the story and is a part of gameplay so that people actually care about it at all and you've done a good job too with tying everything together i have yet to reach a point in the story and in the quest lines and whatnot where i feel like something is out of place it actually ties together very very well well thank you um and, and i should also mention that uh, another one of the, the big things we tried to do with the story is keep it out of the way of, of people who weren't super interested in it. Um, and I know your, your site is, is lore-based, but uh, you know, big majority of, uh, of players don't even, I would say majority, but a lot of players don't even read the quest text. So I wanted to work for them as well. Which goes with the, the, the game design that you use where you have a lot of little, um, the, the, the voice actors reading out the quests, which is absolutely fantastic mm -hmm. and really immerses you into it as well. Yeah, that helps a lot. I, I think if you can read it out loud, the people are a lot more likely to pay attention to it. Yeah, well, especially if you have good voice actors, which I don't know if you guys just, you know, hired people that you had there to do it or not, but the voice acting in this is actually really good. I was impressed. <laughs> it is good. We went to the professionals for that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Max. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we went through Audio Gods and Lonnie Minnelli, and they, just, they did a wonderful job. Oh, most certainly, yeah. A lot of fun working with them. In terms of the story of Torchlight, I mean, the story itself is fairly dark. You've got a force that corrupts. It's not light stuff. However, the graphic style you chose 
it, it it's it is light it is more cartoony and it, it it makes it a little easier to take the story a little bit more lightly can you explain why you chose to go with such a light style graphic art style for the story i think jason, about 50 percent of it was technical <laughs> do you want to talk about that jason yeah, yeah. What, let's let the art well, director sure. uh, hold forth sure. yeah let the art director do it <laughs> yep. There, there was a very sort of, you know, practical approach in that, you know, we did have this desire to be able to play the game on pretty much any system. So we aimed for a really low uh, min spec. So, you know, with that in mind, it was more a matter of, okay, well, you know, how do you make, you know, essentially low poly art, uh, you know, as appealing as you can. And then it was just a matter of kind of fiddling with, you know, different proportional things and texture styles and things like that. Uh, you know, with Mythos, we we thought we were pretty close in the end it kind of uh it was a little bit uh more kind of generic overall uh you know a lot of that was kind of just built on the fly so there wasn't a whole lot of kind of pre-pro uh and with this one that was one of the the main things you know we wanted to kind of rectify and and just the fact that you know we had this desire to keep it a low min spec it one it's it's increasingly more moddable for the community once you uh, let them have it and uh, it you know it just fit our goals for the game and it does look good there's a lot of you can see the shortcuts were in it's more about the style not about the poly count something that again blizzard used with wow early on where it was it wasn't about how in depth how how much depth there was to to the imagery but the style of it and even though it is a lighter feel in terms of art style it actually does still look very good and the actual dungeons and whatnot look absolutely fantastic yeah that's that's one thing that (laughs) from the step from you know from what we had going in mythos to you know what we ended up with torchlight the levels are put our previous ones to shame quite frankly i mean there's a a greater sense of depth you know just all of the rooms can be decorated in a much more purposeable you know fashion and you can have actually have you know actual set pieces in your areas Uh, and and that you know that's that's all well a good chunk of that is all the level design Uh, yeah we've really did a great job uh, we've been doing the uh, random dungeons for a long time and i think we're finally getting in on how you can make them both random and look like they've been built and real. Now, this is something actually that I'd thought about bringing up too. In terms of the random dungeons, it's something that I wrote in a review that personally I see that as both a pro and a con. A pro because every experience, yes, is different and new. A con in that the Mephisto runs were fun. The bail runs were fun. You knew what you were getting into. You knew where everything was. You knew where the boss was. And that kind of familiarity with the the, ma, the the bosses and whatnot really made you a lot more, how should I say, familiar with the game. You you, It was something that you knew. You know what I mean? Whereas with the random bosses, they could be anywhere. So there, it doesn't have quite as much importance. But we do actually have fixed bosses that always appear in the same part of the dungeon and uh, with the same layouts. So we do actually have a lot of those kind of this is the same experience each time on the boss. Um, uh, The first time you meet Brink on level four, um, uh, the Overseer on level eight. um, I'm not going to name off all the boss names, but um, those generally have kind of the same the same layout each time, you know, kind of similar to how it would be in D2. 
We'll move on from there and touch on the music now, because really, you can't play this game without noticing the music. The The score is absolutely fantastic. You got Matt Yeoman back again to work on it for it. Um, is Matt actually someone that is just a professional acquaintance that you work with on D2, or is he actually a good friend and that's why you brought him back? Uh, definitely, he's a good friend. You know, we worked, he was like maybe the second or third person we hired back at Blizzard North many, many years ago. So we worked with him on console games before the Diablo series. And uh, so, yeah, he's definitely a good friend. He's he's now, uh, you know, an official Runic Games employee, and we feel like we're really lucky to have him. Yeah, because really his skill is absolutely unbelievable what he can do. Now, when you were working on the score, however, did you guys actually request that it sound as much as it does to the Diablo score? Or is that just something that came out? How did that work out? <laughs> I mean, I think I think we consciously wanted some of that um, sort of wistful, um, almost sad tone that you get with, with Tristram. Um and I think I think he has kind of a signature sound, especially with the use of guitars, um, especially when you get down into some of the later levels with the, like the lava and there's kind of that more of that sort of rock feel to it. Um, if you go back and listen to like Diablo one. Um, so there may be some that was conscious and some of it's probably just kind of the nature of the game. Um, I wish we had Matt on here because he could talk about it a lot more articulately than I. <laughs> well, it is again, it is phenomenal music i mean it's there is no other score in my opinion in gaming history except maybe you know a super mario if you're a, a nintendo <laughs> old fanboy but there's no score that can put you back in that moment as well as the first couple of chords from d2 it's it's that much it had that much of an impact in terms of how good it was with that game now when you were working on your game though and and perhaps it's just me. I'm not nearly as successful as you guys. I personally would want my game to have its own sound so that when you close your eyes, you can say, hey, that's the torchlight, not that's the D2. Is that something that worries you guys or you just don't care because it sounds so fantastic? I think we just wanted really good music. <laughs> yeah. Well, you succeeded. You did succeed. Actually, that's something that Joe and I were talking about too, about how, how good the music is but how it interacts with the game joe go ahead well and you guys already touched upon this earlier it just it seemed um i don't know it, it is immersive it is listening to the music it makes me want to go and adventure explore these dungeons which is always good because it's like this this dark moody music and musical score over throughout the entire game and you guys already touched upon it about whether or not it was intentional um but i, I guess uh I don't even know what I'm trying to say here except for thank you <laughs> because the, the choice really does seem to, to fit with the game. And is this, is this something we can see more of in the future? Is this something that we will see you guys break away from for like future, future musical scores with your IPs? Or are we going to still see this very moody, very heavy music? I, I Personally, I kind of like having this that sort of – it's, it's got kind of a personal feel to me. It doesn't feel like a big operatic score, which is kind of kind of bombastic and movie-like. Um, and I kind of like that sort of personal feeling to the music. We that, talked about that a lot that, that's early on. That, 
that Matt does really well is he plays the game and actually makes a soundtrack that, that fits it really well. Um, it's He doesn't treat it as a, a showcase for his music so much as he uses his music to accentuate the experience. Um, and I think it's probably kind of rare. I mean, he, he's just so good at it. So and I'm sure we'll, we'll have different feels in different areas of the game and he'll write scores that, that suit that. Well, here's hoping that we do hear him for the MMO. Oh, yes. He's coming up in about a week and we're, we're going to start sitting down and talking about it. So let's go on to the MMO now, because this is something that you guys have been advertising quite a bit. And I would see that this is probably part of your business structure for the next little while now that you're you're planning this MMO. And am I correct in saying 18 months from now? I'm going to lean more toward 24. Right. I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we'll have a beta before that. Oh, yeah, we'll have we'll have alphas and betas long and long in advance of that. And, and I can tell you right off the bat, without even speaking to the boys, that if you guys need any testers for that, we are here, here to here. help you out. Now, how much of the original, st- how much of the original story are you planning on keeping in the MMO? Um, I mean, we, what we talked about from the outset is that Torchlight is really just kind of a small story set in a larger world. So now's the point where we actually get to stretch out and and start to color in the rest of it, um, which I think everybody's pretty excited to do. No doubt. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll keep all, all of the, the lore and, and the, the NPCs we have, but you know, of course that's not very many because it's just one, one small town that we've seen so far. Yeah, and I see that's something that I saw when, when I heard about the MMO as a little bit of a, I don't want to say a hindrance, but something that is like the, the game is designed about torch light. Now, an MMO, of course, is going to have to span a hell of a lot more than just a little mining town. It'll, yep. it'll uh, span up, yes. but it'll have the, the same flavor. It's the thing. We've established the feel of the world and how it works and, and what is magic in the world and, and you know how does it work and that, that sort of thing. Um, so we can maintain that with adding a lot more detail. Yeah, no doubt. You can add a lot to that. Now, you've already talked about some of the things that you're planning, such as, of course, the mounts, the PvP system, different PvE enhancements. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, the structure of the game will be pretty different as far as the overall world. I mean, we're not going to be relegated to a town. There will be large outdoor areas and multiple cities, and it will have kind of a more uh, traditional MMO structure as far as how the world is put together, although we're still planning on doing randomized dungeons, a mix of randomized and uh, and hand-created ones, so you get a bit of both. And in terms of the classes, this is something that Enrique and I were talking about as well, too. I Actually, I'll let him talk about it. All right, well, because you guys are obviously going to be shifting the whole vibe right now. It's kind of an over, what is it? It's, it's like a, a top-down look. There you go. You're doing a top-down view game that's very much like crawling around the dungeons and whatnot, but now you're moving to a multiplayer kind of vibe. So will there be more than just these three? Obviously, there ha- you know, hopefully there's going to be more than just these three classes as well. Not that I'm disappointed or anything, but... um is you've you've got the basic archetypes you've got your caster you have your you know your melee guy and then you have your kind of like physical range dps kind of thing are you guys planning on you know introducing healers and all that business or are you just going to try to keep it real simple well we're, we're definitely going to do more than three classes um and we're not even positive that these classes will appear as playable classes because if they do, I, I kind of think we have to make them them different because if somebody's already played these classes in single player for you know uh, a year or two before, it's it's not going to be that exciting to go to an MMO and play them the same way again. Um, so if they do end up as playables, they'll probably have to be substantially changed just just so that they feel fresh. Um, but then again, they may not they may not be playable as all. They may be they may be just you know factions in the world. Um, but we will be doing more than three classes at launch. 
Yeah, and, and the way our, our oh, my answer. So we're not going to have a traditional uh, healer and, and tank and, and, and DPS sort of uh, <laughs> setup. Everyone's going to be fighting and killing the monsters and doing damage. We, we just don't have room for that sort of mechanic. Our game's too fast paced for it. Ah, uh, good. See, that, that's what I was kind of wondering, because I know it's kind of like this this great, you know, trifecta of, of MMOs as you typically have your tank and your healer and then your DPS and whatnot. I'm kind of happy that you guys said that you, you don't want to be screwing around with that whole mess and that whole yeah. argument yeah, non-stop there may be characters argument. that have a have a secondary role as a healer or secondary role as a tank like you know they're better at tanking than everyone else but they should still be able to solo and and you know and, and you shouldn't have to worry about your composition of your group that much see that's something that i'm wondering if you guys are actively studying in in games today to see whether or not you can do something completely different. The fact is, is you're creating a game that is, um, it's, it's, it's more simple. Of course, the single player now, there's going to be a lot more depth once the MMO comes out, but you've got time to learn from everything that is changing in the industry. Um, case in point right now, it's not an MMO, but, uh, with Borderlands, you've got a completely different structure for your, what would be a healing class with your soldier where they toss in different mechanics where you actually shoot your players to heal them. Um, I don't know if any of you guys played it, but the point is, is just that they toss in something completely different to make a class that is normally a pain in the ass to play. And I can say that because I'm always a healer, as is Joe. So they toss yep. in something completely different to make it fun. So to hear you guys say that you're planning essentially the same kind of thing is kind of nice to hear. That's exciting. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something we're going to have to experiment a lot. Uh, multiplayer was a lot of fun in, uh, in Mythos, though, so we'll probably keep something close to that. I mean, it was chaotic, but it was just great. It was just a blast to play. And how much of the, the dungeon crawler feel are you going to keep in? Well, we got to have dungeons. we got to have <laughs> Although we will have, you know, there, we'll definitely do our overland adventuring, but I think I, I love secret rooms and levers and traps and you know I'd, I'd love to bring as much of that as possible to the mmo um so hopefully hopefully a nice mix i do know that joe had actually a question to you because again we're all heavily involved in in different aspects of gaming in terms of what we would like to do as well and joe was going to ask you about that as well uh, yeah, I, first of all, um, thank you guys for, for everything you've told us and everything you've, you've shared with us today. Um, but like Roger has said here, like Roger and myself, we are looking to get into the gaming industry in some capacity. It's actually something I'm looking at going back to school and, and furthering my education on. So to you guys, to somebody who is looking to break into this world and, and, and start contributing to the future of gaming, what advice can you give? What words of wisdom can you offer to those of us looking to get into this gaming industry? Well, it may depend on part on what you actually want to be doing. You know, whether you're looking to get into design, or whether you want to be an engineer, or whether you're you're, uh, uh, or whether you're more of an artist um, or a writer. Um, and, and I'm not sure which which way you're tending. Me personally, I'm more of the writer and designer front. Mm-hmm. I mean, the advice I always give to I'm a dropout, so I, I have horrible advice um, about going to school or getting a degree. So don't don't listen to anything I say there. Um, <laughs> but as far as, as just generally getting into the industry, um, I think that the the thing that I always look for is people who are who are actually just out there doing stuff. You know, people who are making mods, um, people who've been involved in a project, 
because the ability to get in and work on a project and get something done is like is to me one of the single most important things. Um, uh, I think I think a lot of the people that we have here, for instance, you know, it's just what they would be doing, you know, even if nobody was paying them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I am. Uh, and and so getting involved in in an existing project, a mod or something, is, is always a fantastic way, I think, to to get people's attention. Well, fantastic. I know that Rick wanted to thank you for the alchemist, as do I, Rick. <laughs> Yeah, I've I was even mentioned this before we started the interview. I have never played a caster or minion class or anything like that. I just I was never into it. I couldn't get into the necromancer in D two. I just I can't deal very well with uh with with magic users. But the alchemist makes it so much freaking fun. Like my giant robot army and just oh man, it's a trip. It is very very cool. Very very fun experience. Do you have and the laser beam? I love the laser beam. <laughs> yeah, no, the whole the whole thing is just not what you would experience when you pick a caster. I, mean, I don't know. I have I was very very surprised for the little bit of time that I got to, to actually sit down and play with it, you know, and actually commit time to it. But I was very very impressed, and thank you guys. Oh, you for playing. Well, we're going to wrap it up at there. And again, I really want to thank you guys for coming out. We've got nothing but respect for what you guys have done in the past with your game and as well with this little gem. And what I said in my review too is that you've got such huge titles coming out right now that have cost a small fortune to produce and what I keep reading all over the place is this little gem that everybody talks about and how much they they love it. And the fact is it's it's not hidden. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody loves it. I have literally not read a single bad thing about this game. So congratulations, guys, on a hell of a release, on a hell of a game, and thank you very much for coming out. Thanks a lot for having us on well, the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Champions Online Fan Fiction. Further installments of the story will be found at ForTheLore.com. A hero. That's what they call me. I'm no hero. I'm just doing the best I can to keep things together. When you've lived as many lives as I have, the word tends to lose its meaning. You see, I've been around a long time. I once had a wife and a child, but even then I was a warrior. I defended the people of Babylon, only to be repaid with my family being made a blood sacrifice. My daughter murdered, the blood to quench the thirst of an angry god. My wife raped in front of me and then left to die. Me, I was tied up high to watch it all. I prayed for death. After days of watching my beloved family rot, a man approached the altar of sacrifice. He strode through the day's old blood and looked up at me. Would you seek vengeance if it could be offered to you? I stared at him, my eyes bloodshot and blurry. I would visit death upon all those who seek to justify this as God's will. I rasped, my throat dry and my lips cracked. My hatred and pain, the only things left that I could feel. The man began to float, hovering before me, high in the stone on which I was chained. His eyes locked with mine, glowing with the light of pure white. 
You have been dealt a great injustice. Those you protected are those who destroy you. I shall grant you release, but if you accept, you will be called upon again to bring justice and vengeance. Will you be the bearer of my wrath? I looked into the burning points that were his eyes. If you can release me from this hell, a thousand times yes. He smiled, and I knew darkness. I fought with my people against the Persians and stood my ground next to Leonidas. With spear and shield, we held back the tide and fought with all we had to keep safe our home. Brothers in arms, we sought salvation through death. When all was said and done, we had won the fight. Every man who lived bore scars. Every man but me. I was untouched by blade or spear. The only blood on me was that of my enemy. The men looked upon me with awe. I tried to shy away from it, but they propped me up as some type of god or demigod. They worshipped me, and stories were told of which god I claimed lineage from. My likeness was carved many times over, and some claimed that I would be their Hercules. The gods didn't like that much at all. Soon my powers were stripped from me, and a blade in the night took my life's blood. My task for this time completed, and once again I knew darkness. I awoke a child in a small village in Poland. My memories of my previous lives were gone. I grew up in a loving family. My mother and father raised me well. When I was of age, I courted the neighbor's daughter, Andrea. We were fast to fall in love. We were married, and soon after she bore a child. We named her Artemis Lee and raised her with love and kindness. Then war was visited upon us. The Germans had invaded and were fast to slaughter all those around us. Their tanks and planes bearing down. My wife and child were killed in a bombing run. With nothing left to lose, I found a spear had been left along my family for generations. I mounted my horse and charged the first tank I could find. A grenade strapped to the tip of my spear found purchase in the treads of the tank, blowing it asunder and bringing the behemoth to a hurried halt. Others took after my example, the craze and those with nothing else to lose, my charge. It was during one of those charges that I took a mortar to the chest. My horse exploded beneath me and I was hurled to the ground some several hundred feet away. But I was in one piece. My clothes were tattered and torn, but no scratch or scar had touched me. I gathered myself together and journeyed back to where I knew my retinue would be. Their eyes were wide and their mouths hung open as they saw me enter the camp and settle down onto a rock near a fire. A miracle, they claimed, saying it was the God's will that I had been saved. Others called me a superhero, the youngest of the lot claiming I had powers beyond that of mortal men. I led the charge again in the morning, this time driving my spear through the front of the nearest tank with agility and power I had not known I possessed. I finished the deed and moved on to the next. Stories of a super-soldier program began to flood the camps of allies and Axis alike. It wasn't long until our camp was found. All those that had followed me were killed in their sleep and I was captured. The Germans thought they could find the secret of the Allies' super-soldier program by drawing my blood and dissecting me. I broke free long enough to take down one of their high-ranking officials. He had a silly little mustache and acted like he was in charge. A scalpel to his throat made sure he wasn't in charge of anything anymore. After striking the blow, I found my strength leaving me.
My task for this time finished, I once again knew darkness. I awoke again, a child, this time in the city of Detroit. My life was simple and I grew up strong and on good values. Once again I knew no knowledge of my past lives. I went to school and became successful in my own life as an engineer. I settled down outside the city with a lovely wife, and We had a daughter. We named her Angela. Life was good until Dr. Destroyer decided to make a power play for the city of Detroit. I was at work at my firm when Anne was bringing Angela to see me. It was our anniversary. We were on our way out of the office when the bomb went off. The building crashed down around us, and at that moment of pain and panic, all my past lives came flooding back. It seemed like an eternity before my eyes opened, and I began to claw through the debris. I dug my wife out and held her as she died. I looked down and shut her eyes, tears clinging to my face as my wounds knit themselves shut. As I carried my wife's body from the wreckage, I was intercepted by several heroes. They had no words. They didn't quite understand what I had just been through, or what I had been through so many times before. I lay my wife with the rescue crew and turned back towards the city. I dug through the debris, helping any survivors, fighting back the last of the destroyer's goons. I never found the body of my daughter. They call me a hero, a man of justice, a beacon of light in the darkest time we've known. I'm none of these things. I am pain. I am suffering. I am vengeance. I am the voice of those who cannot cry out themselves. I am the arbiter of equality, visiting pain upon those who would cause pain to others. My duty this time is clear. I must find Destroyer and those like him, those that seek to rule this world through pain, through suffering and deception. I will find them, and I shall visit upon them a thousand times that which they seek to inflict on others. I am no hero. I am Dante. And this, this is my purgatory. This is going to wrap up episode six of For the Lower. I'd like to thank Joe from World of Manicus as well as Way of the Totem for returning and our prodigal son Enrique of Spooncraft. Glad to have you back on the show, son. I'd like to send a big thanks out to Max Schaefer, Travis Baltree, Jason Beck, and John Dunbar of Runic Games for granting us such an awesome interview. Everyone make certain to pick up a copy of Torchlight if you haven't already. The game is on my fall favorites list, and in fact, it's one of two games that I would classify as an addiction right now. It is that much fun. Thanks to the live studio audience, some of whom endured the entire doubleheader, including episode 7, our Borderlands special. Thanks to Manali Jamal for his incredible guitar work that is sprinkled throughout the podcast. You can find him at ManaliJamal.com. If you check out your playlist, you'll see that episode 7 is there waiting for you now. Just a little fan loving for you all. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week for episode 8, with the pre-show starting at 6.45pm Eastern on Ustream. I'm not going to be like all gushy bride type stuff. 
I would hope not. I was, was kind of looking forward though. to him being Gushy Bride. You know, I missed you guys. I didn't think I would, but I did. Oh, how sweet. Dude, my freaking, like, my company 24 hours a day, 7 days a week is the is a 7-year-old girl, a 2-year-old girl, you know, and my wife. <laughs> it's like, there's, and my dog is, you know, castrated, obviously, so, I mean, there's <laughs> Yeah, but he Not can still hump your leg. No, no, he can't. He doesn't. He's submissive dog. He's weird. Like, you look at him the wrong way, he'll flip on his back and spread his legs and put his arms up. Jeez. And you're trying to teach, get him to teach Misty how to do that? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> all right. You boys behave. I'll try. <laughs> I will. I didn't go through all this trouble for you guys to be asses. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> I will kick your ass out right now. He's going potty. Let's give him time. He's going to be a long one. Either that or he's in the bathroom jacking off because it was that good an interview. I, oh, God. <laughs> they did the thing that I love when companies do and they didn't show us their PR guy and shove their PR guy down our throat. They said, hi, I'm the founder of this company. Yeah. Let me talk to you. Oh my god. Because frankly, this is something that they promised in Fable 2 and look at how that came out. I mean, if you listen to Peter when he was selling Fable 2, you thought it was the second coming of Christ in terms of games. Jesus decided that he was coming back as an Xbox as game. 360 game <laughs> and that you were going to be bowing before your 360 every time you play. And then you played and he went, really? They said that it is possible to have a light side Jedi that falls from grace or a Sith that goes up. And Roger, that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> it totally derails and totally derails him. I have no more drinky. I can't tolerate your voice anymore. Seriously. That's the face he had. Look, you got him crying. I can turn the camera on. Your cheeks are red and you're crying and you're like, you know, hunched over. Yeah, see? Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Santa Claus face, motherfucker. Look at you. That's awesome. I, I think you need to go get an alcoholic oh beverage. As, um... I'm out of I'm out of drink. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> he was babbling. Everybody knew he was babbling. I mean, come on. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, Joe. Cool. So, Sammy, you're kind of a prick, but that's okay. I still like you. Still my buddy. So, can we gush now? <laughs> yeah, with the way you guys treat me, I'm damn sure he doesn't want to pick up the phone. I can still kick you out. Jason, you need a microphone. <laughs> it, it's an audio podcast. It's kind of mandatory. Over there, wait. Oh, wait. No, they can hear us anyway. No. Never mind. I'm full of shit. Yes, you are. <laughs> now would be the time for you to shut up, son. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, dad. You bastard. I think we lost Max. He, he kind of like went dead for a while. I think he had to go potty. He just left. <laughs> He's like, screw this, no freaking amateurs, I'm out of here. <laughs> we still broadcasting? Are you guys hearing us being retarded? Okay, Joe, can you read me in the audience? Can you can you read me? 
I, I wanted I wanted noted that I restrained myself. I didn't beg for a job. Thank that, you. Da- dude, it was damn near though. Damn near. <laughs> I was trying so hard. I was like <laughs> biting through my tongue to not beg for a job. Freaking even Tart Darling got employed, and I'm still here. And you're like, I got a new house. I'm sitting there. Rent. I'm like, I will just hire me, pay me peanuts. I'll go get you guys coffee. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe's gonna be the coffee bitch, and I'm gonna be sitting there like project managing and whatnot. Joe. Oh, <laughs> I, I, it's, I swear to God, I thought I heard Joe's knees hit the carpet. I, I, th- I thought for sure that it was just a you know a regular Friday night for him, but I, I was yeah, almost it's a familiar sound. Yeah. Oh yeah. All by right. the way, thanks for letting me borrow your knee pads, Roger. Yeah. Well, they they do work very well. They're well worn in. 